Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hi, it's John from All Stats, aren't we? Given it's nearly Christmas, we wanted to give you a taste of what we're offering over on our Patreon channel at the moment. The following episode is half of this week's preview podcast, which goes out only to our patrons every week. Before we get to that, though, just a reminder that we produce a bonus episode every week that goes out exclusively to our patrons. That could be an under-23s episode, an interview with an industry expert, an author's list episode where we scout Europe for fun young players, or a Q&A episode where we tackle the topics that you guys send us in. If that sounds interesting, then you can sign up for all our audio content for £2.50 a month. That'll get you all the preview episodes for the month, all of our weekly bonus podcasts for the month, and access to all of our audio content from the last two years. If that sounds good, then head over to www.patreon.com forward slash allstats, aren't we, and check out our subscription tiers. Now over to the first half of our Brighton and Palace preview pod. Hello and welcome to the All Stats Aren't We preview of the Brighton Away and Palace Home Games. I'm Darren Driver and I'm joined today by the lonesome, lonely and on his own, John McKenzie. John, how are you doing? No need to rub in my marital status to me, Darren, in the, in the <laughs> intro. But yeah, I'm doing right. Looking forward to the next few games mm-hmm. before the hellscape of December descends upon us so yeah I think these these games coming up are are interesting this run of Brighton and Palace and Brentford I think Mm. I think we'll learn a lot about where Leeds are at from these three games yeah I think it's interesting because I've seen a lot of people on on Twitter or wherever kind of saying that they expect Leeds to get six or nine points from these games uh, without kind of necessarily taking into account how we've been doing this season and the fact that Brighton and Palace are both in in the top half and that, that Brentford probably are tactically a team who will cause us some problems as well. So I think it's important that, that as a fan base we don't slip into assumptions that, that we are going to definitely win a lot of points in these these three games. Yeah, I mean Palace have lost twice this season to Liverpool and Chelsea. Uh, the idea that 17th placed Leeds United are suddenly just going to turn up and, and cause them a huge amount of problems is, is I think, yeah, a little bit optimistic. But that's not to say that I don't think that 
with leads that we aren't so much of an outlier that we can cause teams problems who have been doing well. Um, and I think the the lesson that we should take away from last season is that uh, it's the, it, it was the teams that we least expected to do well against a lot of the time that we did well against and teams that we didn't expect to do well against who caused us problems. Now, the problem is that the first team we're going to talk about is Brighton and they were one of the teams that we didn't think would cause us problems and they did. So uh, I don't know where that puts us really. But yeah, there's there's definitely a lot to, like, a lot to take into account looking at these fixtures for sure. Yeah, and definitely be worth saying that due to our December run being so kind of crazy and, and facing a lot of the top teams, although, you know, I'm not assuming that we will take points from any of these next three games. I think it's important that we do at the same time uh, so that we don't end up starting January in the bottom three, which is which is a distinct possibility at the moment, I think, um, which I'm sad, saddened to say. Yeah, I think we'll I think we'll maybe pick up one win from this run, and then maybe draws or losses in the other two. I don't know. Like, I, I think that's what you have to sort of be expecting. It, it is tempting to go in thinking, oh, you know, we could win all three, and I think that's definitely true. Uh, but I think on the basis of the way that we've been playing this this season, we haven't been able to to beat teams. The, the, t- the only teams we've beaten have been Watford and. Norwich, both of whom like are not good teams, so it's a sort of it's a sort of combination between sort of thinking, yeah, okay, we're playing teams that aren't great, and then thinking, well, yeah, we're really not necessarily in top form at the moment as well. So uh, I think maybe four four points will be what I would be expecting from from this run, but um, I do think we have the possibility to come out with six or even nine points. Um, but I just think it's it's all about possibilities, isn't it? You've got to weigh up like what's the the probability of of, of us doing that, and I think that. It, yes, the, the the probability that we could win all three is, exists, but I think it's much smaller than than maybe the fact that we that we won't. So uh, that's just the way that I'm looking at it. I know it's a bit miserable, but um, there's just so many factors to play into at the moment, which we will get into, no doubt. Sure, uh, one of the factors which has been playing into our season so far, and I think we'd all agree. <clears throat> and I think we'd all agree that this has been uh, a real problem for us has been the absence of Patrick Bamford. And I was gladdened yesterday to see him doing some gentle training on the grass, as the pros say. Um, and yeah, so I, I'm, I'm hoping that we might get to see Bamford a little bit, maybe towards the end of this run. John, what do you think? Yeah, it's hard to say, really. I don't really like speculating on, on injuries because, you know, the club does have a tendency to be over positive on the likely return of players when they're, <laughs> when they're on the return track. I've heard rumours that he's hoping to be on the bench against Brighton. But if not, definitely against Palace. But again, that is just a that is just a, a rumor from. It is from a source that I that I have heard be correct in the past. Um, but I I just think he's been out so uh, been out for so long that he'll have to have some sort of um, under twenty threes um, exposure to to maybe get up to speed. Although it could be the case that that because we need him so badly that we just sort of fast track that a little bit but um, from what I've been hearing he's had a grade one uh, ankle ligament injury so he sprained his ankle by the sounds of it and I think the the usual well the the usual return for that is sort of three to four weeks Um, and obviously it's been longer than that but as someone who's had ankle grade one ankle ligament injuries most of my footballing playing days I can confirm that they are it just it is just random sometimes you can get them and they and they clear up much quicker than than other times I've been out for three months with ankle ligament issues and then I've been out for three weeks with ankle ligament issues so um, I I suspect he's probably coming towards the end of it now and the the question is just how much how much latent fitness he still has from before um, and how long it will take him to get back up to match fitness so yeah I'd be I'd be expecting him to be on the bench and maybe come off for a few uh, fixtures 
Um, but yeah, certainly by uh, Brentford, I think we, we may be seeing him in and around the, the team. Okay, uh, let's start to think then a little bit about the Brighton game. Um, the, the way we're going to structure this episode is that we're going to build it around the two interviews that, that you've done with fans of those other clubs. And um, we'll start by uh, listening to you talk to uh, Liam Tharn of uh, Albion Analytics about them tracking their XG, about being more possession-based and about Brighton's recent poorer run. So Liam, hello, how are you? I'm good, thanks, yeah. Nice to be on. Yeah, good stuff. It's been... An interesting season so far for Brighton, whereas last season you underperformed your expected goals wildly. Uh, this season you've decided to match your expected goals roughly and it's got you comfortably in the top half. So what happened over the course of the summer? I wish I knew. Uh, if I did know, I'm, I'm sure I can make a, a lot of money um, selling that model to sort of other clubs. Um, in all honesty, more a case, and it's something that I've sort of written about at the moment and looking to dive into is we've sort of come off the back of some, some poor reform, um, sort of winless in our last six admittedly four draws so not not sort of the, the end of the world but we've had some games where you know we've not been as good going forward not been as good sort of in both boxes and I think I put it down to the variety that we offered in the first six games in the attacking threat that I think we scored maybe eight goals in those first six games but a real variety we had both Danny Welbeck and Shane Duffy scored headers from the corner we had sort of a, a counter-attack goal at Burnley um well, we broke from our own box and, and broke quickly. Um, and we also had had a goal from sort of a, a high possession sequence at Burnley. Um, we had a couple of, of brilliant individual finishes from Leandro Trossard and, and Nilma Pai at Brentford and, and Crystal Palace, respectively. Um, and on top of that, with a penalty as well. So I think there was sort of you know, some you know, real variety to, to our goal scoring. And from what I've looked at now, sort of the, the rate at which, if we use sort of stats bomb, FBRF data, that, you know, live passes. Um, uh, accounting for sort of our shot creating actions it was about two thirds in the first six games it's now up to almost 80 percent so in terms of how we're at least creating shots obviously and need to create shots to, to score goals is it's become a lot more sort of possession-based stuff and I think sometimes you know when that happens we end up sort of having to go around the sides of teams a lot and I think crossing fundamentally is a lot hard and I think we don't always have the players in the positions or, or, or the box superiority to, to score goals in those situations. You mentioned already that despite the good start you've been winless in I think it's eight games now with quite a lot of draws I think it's six of those eight um, it seems as though there's been some unlucky draws and there's been some lucky draws as well so I'm sure you're not too worried but how important is it for you to get a, another win on the board as soon as possible to give probably football managers answer it, it's always important to win a game isn't it I suppose hmm. um, you know teams teams like dare I say sort of Brighton leads that perhaps want to, want to be higher than you know particularly where, where you guys are at the moment and where we were sort of for, for last season Um you know, especially when it's teams around you that you or teams that you think you're capable of beating, especially home games, it's probably very cliche. But I imagine it's the link manager's target. Um, yeah, and you need to get the results around teams around you because otherwise that, that just will sort of anchor you. And it did did for us for sort of most of last season. Um, and I think especially it, as you mentioned, we, we've had sort of a balance of games where you know you, you go and you draw at Anfield. Um, we you know kept a clean sheet, a good clean sheet at the end at Norwich, and it, it, it's been quite a mixed bag. I think that's why it's maybe quite hard to judge. And um, for sort of me in particular, where I'm like. We're, kind of disappointed kind of not and, and you're quite sure where to put it so yeah I think a lot of um, fears would be eased if if um, we, we do go on and, and get a good result So what are your expectations for the rest of the season where would you want to see Brighton finishing? That's a really tough question to answer um, as I've said sort of at the start of the season um, anything that's a progression on 41 points which is our sort of Premier League record um, for me is fantastic wherever that puts us uh, would be where it puts us I'd be surprised um, if that's the bottom three um, uh, yeah, I, I think survival is always going to need to be on and one aim to start with. And once we achieve that, you know, we can have a list of goals to tick off 
Um, so for me, it might sound a bit pessimistic and negative, but I think things right now are showing that you might have a good start, but it can be a long season. Um, so for me, yeah, hit, hit 42 points plus, um, set a record and we can go from there. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the the players that you brought in over the summer. How are you feeling about the the influx that you had over over the summer? You've had a fairly decent chance of seeing them play now. So, who stood out in particular? Yeah, it's an interesting one. Obviously, we we sold Ben White for quite a sizable fee. Um, someone who obviously wanted to talk to to you guys too much about. Um, and sort of just similar sort of Spurs. I guess I did with, with Bayern a long time ago. Sort of spun him into a few different players, and we sort of bought. Um, you know, a, a couple of players for now. So we we brought in uh, Enoch and Wepu, who has played sort of centrally, um, really really good sort of runner beyond the ball. Um, scored his first goal, um, or first league goal um, at Anfield, sort of same week he scored, um, scored in the cup. So really exciting sort of attacking forward threat. Um, potentially the sort of player that we need in terms of, sort of one of those runners beyond the ball. And we don't have sort of too many of those um, that, that are particularly high quality. Um, and Mark Cooper, of course, as well, is sort of another player that, that we've bought some for now. There's been a couple in Abdul Asima um, and Karim Matoma as well, who we've sort of bought in and are out on loan at, at different clubs. So sort of use Ben White to, you know, spun him into a couple players for now, a couple for the future. Um, and, and Mark Cooper has been absolutely fantastic. Um, you know, we, we've been sort of lacking another quality left-sided player who's sort of naturally left-footed, uh, really sort of give you that width. He, he provides an immense balance of um, defensive ability, both sort of in terms of pressing, so stuff that actually isn't interacting directly sort of with the ball, um, but his sort of, yeah, his ability to defend in a block. Um, recovery running speed is excellent, and I guess it needs to be because he likes to play so high. And I, th- I think he just really facilitates a lot of other players to be good. We've got a really good ball striker in Rob Sanchez um, in goal and sort of his ability now that he's sort of played sort of longer, longer, riskier passes to sort of take out opposition and create chances. And Kukule is the sort of player you need there because it's all well and good, I guess, having the passer, but you need a player who can control it, who can receive, who can, you know, then then take that ball forwards. Um, his ability to sort of combine in, in the attacking attacking third is, is fantastic. He can play left foot, right foot. You know, he's, he's a really good passer of the ball, very good crosser as well. Um, so, yeah, he's just all around game is fantastic. And, and still, in fairness, I think he's still 23, 24. Still a very young player, sort of all things considered. And so yeah, he's he's been a really excellent signing. Leeds fans by now know what to expect from Graham Potter. At least in the last few games we faced, you've played smart mid to high mid block pressing and fairly direct build up play. Has much changed tactically for you this season? I suppose at times we've perhaps been a bit bit more deep block in games where we needed to sort of earlier on in the season. Um, but no, I, I think sort of the underpinning principle of, of that has always sort of remained. I think maybe our press has dropped off recently, um, just down to some of the quality opposition that we face or when we play Liverpool, played City, that sometimes, you know, you, you can't go into those games sort of pressing us ridiculously. And at the same time, I think we've played some teams, maybe Newcastle, who aren't going to always build from the back. So you, you can't obviously press and the team's just going to kick it long every time. Um, so it'll be interesting to see sort of how, how our shape sets up out of possession, particularly for sort of goal kicks and bits and pieces when we do get that organised opportunity to press. Um, and what the sort of interesting things at the moment that Neil applies had a few games out and this isn't sort of suspension or injury, it just seems to be tactical and Potter been using um, sort of like a false nine setup really with sort of Leo Trossard and um, sort of the most advanced player uh, at Anfield. We had likes of Sonny March, you know, from Wepu, Adam Lallana sort of all making runs in behind off the back of that. And it was similar sort of against City. And, and those those two games or the game and a half, we did it really in the second half against City. Um, that, that sort of, you know, 130 odd minutes um, worked fantastically. We've sort of tried it since and it's worked to sort of mix effect. So I'm sort of really intrigued to see whether he'll stick with that. Um, I imagine he'll probably bring, bring Mapai back in um, for, for this sort of game. I think with how sort of man, man to man, you go, you can use Mapai quite well um, to sort of drop in, to, to disjoint that back line, to hope we get some space in behind. 
Yeah, well, we've seen you adopt a three-four-three formation both times we faced you in the Premier League, and obviously that's worked to to good ex- uh, to good effect. So, do you expect Potter to stick with this, given that you beat us both times in that formation? I'd be interested to see, yeah, what, what the shape looks like when it, when it sort of actually comes out. Um, where he sort of because obviously we're quite a wide area heavy side at times. I know Leeds can be as well, so I'm intrigued to see whether because I, I sort of remember back um, back last season when, when we played you in the away game. I know that the pitch was was quite terrible. It's probably a game that most of you sort of erase out of your minds. Um, but I think we were we were quite central in that. You know, we had very little of the ball when we when we did get it. There were a lot of ball carries. It was a lot of early play, lots of vertical play. Um, and then sort of in, in the reverse fixture when we played you at home, um, I think our game ended up being a bit different because we sort of took the lead fairly early on. Um, but then from that, I do remember us being sort of a lot more organised possession. So it, it, it's difficult to know. Um, I, I think he can be a very situational manager, um, very much managers and coaches sort of depending on the context. Um, so just see what the shape looks like, to be fair. Uh, just looking through the games that you've played this season, FB Ref has you down as using five different starting formations. And obviously you need to take those sorts of assessments of formations with a pinch of salt, but you're clearly mixing things up a bit. Do you think this is because Potter is looking um, for a better structure or are the teams just flexible because of his coaching? Is it is it simply the fact that he has the confidence in moving his team around to, to be able to match up with oppositions? The answer is probably a bit of both, in all honesty. Um, I think he's the sort of manager that will always be looking for where he, he can make tweaks, where he can make improvements. Um, we tried sort of a, a split striker system last season where we pushed, you know, Danny Welbeck and Nilma Pye into really wide areas and had sort of runners coming from, from the midfield. Um, so I think he's constantly trying that. And of course, that'll be a position dependent. You know, he's, he's probably looking for marginal ways to find solutions for, for the problems that opposition sort of defences um, present. But likewise, I think he's a coach that's going to demand the, a hell of a lot. And it, it seems to be a blessing and simultaneously a curse sometimes for us that we are so flexible and are so fluid. And sometimes you think, you know, would we be, be more beneficial to sort of lock down the system and be able to continuously play sort of a, a way that we know that we can make dangerous? Um, and, and it's a real trade-off. So, um, yeah, I'm interested to see. Obviously, we, we had a few different sort of setups this season so far. Come sort of Saturday, will, will that be sort of another one to add to it, or will he sort of rejig something from earlier on this season? You mentioned Leandro Trossard has had a good season so far and come into his own a little bit. What have you made of him? He's been fantastic going forward. Um, he's he's been sort of in in a more um, shots based role in terms of sort of his output than he ever has been. Um, a, a lot more sort of sort of an advanced player and probably for me our best ball striker in the team. Um, probably quite a good ball striker from some positions that always, aren't always sort of the most fantastic either. He's very good sort of um, on the edge of the area. I know obviously you guys would have seen a fair few how Sunderbox goals go in, um, but really good on both feet, good for, from some sort of tight angles and, and a really good sort of striker on the dribble as well. Um, so interested to see if we still sort of keep him as the focal point up top. Um, I've often felt that maybe he's better when he's got someone like Mapai to create space for him. Um, so he, he's been fantastic in, in that regard and his sort of output in terms of shots and um, touching the opposition box um, you know lots of different things are, are way up there so this is his third Premier League season now and he's hitting some of his highest numbers ever so he's, he's constantly returning goals and, and he took a pen for the first time as well um, a, a couple of weeks ago um, so yeah he's, he's really involved in, in the attacking um, side of things now. And uh, Tarek Lamptey's back which I, I think will be a boon to you how important do you think that is going to be in the long run? I think he's fantastically important. Um, I think he's a real sort of pick clock against sort of deep line defences that there's not many, I don't think there's anyone at Brighton like it. And I don't think it's many players in sort of the Premier League that are like it, that have just got that pace and the agility. Um, but also, obviously, the, the awareness and, and the vision on the pitch to see the moments and see the spaces that, you know, you, you can exploit opposition defences. And teams often do sit back against us. Um, and I think he's the exact sort of thing you need that you know, can win your foul high up. Um, can can drive inside a back line, will get you yards. 
it is very similar to sort of Mark Kukulea, but just just on on the right hand side. Um, so it's interesting interesting to see now as he sort of comes back in more. Um, we've often played either sort of with Lamptey and March. It was last season. Um, with March being sort of quite attacking minded, but maybe not as advanced as Lamptey. Um, and then this season it's been a lot of Kukulea and sort of Veltman um, and a mix of players out on that right hand side. And it's always been a bit lopsided. So I'm interested to see when we do sort of have two very ad- advanced win backs, at least in terms of profile, um, what the shape looks like if we are sort of both quite gung ho with both of them. Um, or whether sort of we play a bit more lopsided, it's a bit more fluid. Um, I think it'd be interesting to see. You mentioned in the transfer section Enoch Mwepu, who was brought in from RB Salzburg, and obviously the the Red Bull system is an exciting system for for player development. So you've not had a huge amount of minutes to watch him so far, but what have you made of him? He's just really good fun, sort of going forward. In all honesty, um, he, he's I don't think we've got a midfielder that profiles like him. Um, sort of my my assessment of him really is that. Everything that he seems to do is, is you know, the, he plays with the game in front of him. So he's not really a player that often receives back to go. He's, he's a really good presser defensively on the front foot. Um, he's got quite long legs, so he seems to be able to tackle from some ridiculous distances away from the ball. Um, and as you mentioned, yeah, he has had quite limited minutes. So I think he had, um, he was isolating one point due to COVID. Um, but with the way that obviously, you know, Potter likes to bring in players, it's it's not always bring in and permanently stays there. Players, you know, drip fed in. Sometimes they, they have a spell out of the side. Um, he played with Burnley on the opening day and was in a setup that um, I, I'm not quite sure what to try, but it went quite clamorously wrong in the first half. And, and he got then hooked at half time and, and things changed. But since he's come back in, he's, he's been fantastic. Um, really sort of involved in, in that penalty area. And again, as I was sort of mentioning, that, you know, a necessity for us to have sort of more players contributing in that sort of attacking phase and, and those late runners, he, he really ticks the, the bill in that regard. How are you feeling about facing Leeds this season? Because it obviously feels as though our fortunes have changed um, in, in sort of inverse correlation to, to last season. Um, obviously, we're not quite underperforming to the extent that you were last season, but um, we're, we're down at the bottom. And it, it feels to me maybe that we're, we're at least quality-wise a, a little bit better than, than where we are. Um, so how are you feeling about, about facing Leeds this season? There's always a slight uh, of confidence, I think, for us because we often seem to do quite well against Leeds, um, particularly at home. Um, but I, I think it, it's a it's a challenge um, for us to face a team who do like to press so much, particularly a team that are going to be going to be around us. That I think stylistically, what people would say um, about both Brighton and Leeds are both play a lot more like sides probably in slash around the top six than than the bottom six, which obviously isn't necessarily a good or bad thing, but. Um, it's yeah, it's interesting for us to to face a side that are probably more similar to us than most teams that we play, um, and I think that will present a really difficult challenge. Um, probably quite a nice one for Potter and, and coaching staff, etc. Um, and and it's difficult because I always feel like, and I think every football fan ever would say this, but you know, we we perform sometimes against some of the top teams, but we'll face a struggling team around us, and and we just don't often seem to win those games. So I think these are the right sort of tests that we need to really sort of. Uh, give an indication of improvement and, and sort of true quality of okay, you can go to Anfield and you, you can scrap a point. And you know when when sometimes you're you know you're, you're in a bit of a, a winless rut, how, how can you get out of that? In terms of the the logistics of the game, do you have any injuries or suspensions ahead of the game? So Rob Sanchez is back. He had a one game suspension for a red card against Newcastle. Um, injuries off the top of my head. Uh, Danny Welbeck is, is still out injured. Um, I think Dan Burn might also be out injured. Um, besides that, nothing that, that um, comes to my mind. Alan Webster's recently come back um, from injury as well. So Tarek Lamptey, I think, sort of seems to almost be back on the verge of a full 90. That might well come this Saturday. Um, so I think we're sort of close now, pushing towards as full fitness as we can be sort of right now. 
Would you like to hazard a guess at the lineup on Saturday? Oh, that's that's the million dollar question. <laughs> in all honesty, it, it's been quite stable in terms of defensively this season. It's, it's looked like Sanchez, Dunk, Webster, Duffy, um, and it's been great to see Shane Duffy back. Um, you know, not necessarily say doing what he always been, has been doing in terms of just box defending because he's been a bit more a bit more involved going forwards as well now. Um, but great to see someone you know be able to pick up their career again after having sort of a, a really tough time. Um, so that that will be sort of your your sort of first phase of build-up players. You, you'll probably have Kukureo and Lamptey as, as the widest players, um, as those sort of wing-back roles. Um, the pivot can, you know, that 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 is always an interesting one because it's normally sort of two or three out of Ibasuma, Pasoglos, Adam Lalana, uh, Enoch and Wepu, Yakum Moda, um, and how those sort of shape and work in those roles is quite interesting. So I think at, at Liverpool, we sort of had a three for, for the most part in the first half. Um, and that then really facilitated the likes of Wepu and Lalana going in behind. Um, so whether we sort of, try and approach where we you know try to dominate the midfield um I, i'm not sure and then sort of going forward it'll be anything out of really trossard and, and mapai um potentially some some supporting cast up there as well so um it, interested to see I, I would i would try and guess it but i think there's very little chance of me getting it right so i don't, don't want to waste anyone's time <laughs> yeah and um you've done this podcast before so you know that i don't ask for predictions what i'm interested in is where you expect the game to be won or lost so do you have any thoughts on that I mean, our, our game management recently has, has dipped down a bit. We were quite good at the start of the season um, in terms of coming back in games, in terms of holding on when, when we were leading. Um, and I, I, th- I think sometimes for us, at least from my perspective, is, is a necessity to be uglier. I'm not sure if you or any, any of the people listening have seen the goals against Villa at the weekend, but um, the first one for me was, was and whether people think it's right or wrong, is just screaming out for a foul on, on the counters as we broke. If you, know, if you can lose the ball in the opposition half, in their box even, um, there's absolutely no way that ball should have in your box. Um, and likewise against Newcastle, um, you know, didn't concede much of a game, but did concede a good chance from a set piece and just not doing the fundamentals of, you know, getting out, blocking across, winning the first contact, blocking a shot, etc. Um, so I think, yeah, just, just needing to be harder to beat sometimes is is important. Um, so in, in terms of winning or losing it, I think set pieces always seem to present a challenge with, with Brighton and Leeds, and that could be really interesting. Um, but I think maybe the press as well in seeing how we sort of set up and how much we look to sort of push that back line um, and sort of seeing how both teams are at based on where the first goal comes in the game because I'm, I'm always assuming with, when our teams are involved that, that there's going to be at least one goal. Well, Liam, it's always a great pleasure to have a chat with you about all things Brighton. So what's the best way for our listeners to catch what you're putting out? Come and join us over on Twitter, at uh, Albion Analytics. Lots of uh, Brighton-related stuff, lots of stats and bits and pieces over there. So yeah, come and join us over there. Well, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Okay, John Brighton, give me the fear. Did they give you the fear? 
Yeah, they do. Although I actually think that of the two fixtures that we're going to talk about today, I may be a little bit more positive about Brighton uh, insofar as I think, yes, they caused us huge amounts of problems the last two times we faced them. But I do also feel as though when it comes to Brighton, the way that they're going to play is going to be quite attritional. So it will very much come down to, can we grab a goal at any point? Um, and I think if Rafinha is on fire, we could do that. Um, whereas I feel as though with, with perhaps with Palace, they might just be a little bit more, that might just have a little bit more in the way of, uh, talent on the field, which could cause us problems. Just thinking back to the, the last couple of Brighton fixtures, it's sort of been, one one nil games which became a two nil in the second one because of I guess we sort of got game stated a little bit but um I, I do feel as though with Brighton it's very much down to will they score on the day. Um we've we've talked about their finishing problems for the last few seasons and yes, they they do seem to have sorted that out a little bit. They've they've done a few things, they've tweaked a few things, they play a few more formations. But the long and short of it will come down to even if they do control the game in the way that they have done in the past then I think that we still have a chance to just nick a goal and 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 then sort of game state it ourselves. So whereas I feel with Palace maybe it's a little bit more of a uh, a little bit more in the air um, and they, that could be the sort of game where actually we don't really get much and they and they do create a lot more with some of the players that they've got, particularly some of the individual runners that they have that could cause us problems in the man marking. And now you've rung the uh, game state klaxon there, John, it actually just triggered a thought in my head that I thought it might be worth just reflecting on, which isn't on the running order, so I apologise for that. So um, in past seasons, when Leeds have taken the lead, we've been able to hold on to the lead and we've we've won the vast, vast, vast majority of those games. This season, we haven't really seen that happening. We've seen teams come back at us, equalise and, and beat us. Um, so I guess I just wanted to get a sense from you of how concerned you are in terms of that, that change uh, in, in, in our ability to manage games out. Yeah, Josh mentioned this yesterday when we were chatting and uh, I've not really given it much thought, but I would, what I would, my, my sort of gut response to this is I'd, look, I'd like to go back and look at the games we went ahead in first last season versus the ones that we're going ahead in now, because I feel as though people are saying, oh, you know, we get a lead and we can't hold it. But then we're talking about teams like Spurs, we went 1-0 up against. Um, West Ham, we went 1-0 up against. Okay, there's been there's been games like uh, the Leicester game where we conceded immediately straight after that. There's been the the game like uh, Newcastle, I guess, where we uh, yeah Norwich, where we where we sort of largely dominated games and then we came and we've we've given goals back. But um, in the Norwich game, I mean, we did we did win that game uh, in the end. But I I think the the issue is perhaps more that we are not that good this season in terms of our attacking play and. I think the issue is is that we're getting we're sort of we're sort of getting uh, goals through not good attacking and mainly through sort of Rafinha pulling something off. Um, and okay, you, you may argue that that is good attacking, but I, I guess my point is more that it's unsustainable. It's, it's sort of not very repeatable actions. Um, whereas I think last season, because we were sort of we were scoring goals because we were playing better. This season, we're scoring goals because we've got Rafinha, and then we've not got enough to keep that that lead, which I think we we maybe did a little bit more last season. I think there's also outliers last season as well in terms of all of the caveats that we talked about with respect to no crowds and and the fact that we just gone up. We spent a lot more money than everyone else um, in our sort of in, in our sort of um, spot in the league um, and and uh, the COVID stuff with the preseason. So I think it, it's probably just sort of regression and um, yeah, us inshallahing a little bit more this season. Sure. Um, so let's start to think about the structure and how the uh, Brighton game will play out. 
So um, <clears throat> because Leeds are so reactive in terms of formation, it can be hard to talk about hard to talk about our structure in in the Brighton game without kind of understanding or predicting or you know what what Brighton might do. So this season, uh, as you talked about in your interview with Liam, they've played a three five two, they've played a four two three one, they've played a three four three, they've played a three four one two. Um, and they've not always pressed high, and and I guess playing the three four three and um, pressing high on Leeds was kind of was kind of what marked out those games against us last season. So, do you expect Brighton to follow the same tactical approach they used in those games last year, or do you expect them to mix it up at all? I think they will go three four three and and adopt the same approach because of two things: one, because it worked both times. Um, and if nothing else, okay, we've talked about how uh, Brighton maybe didn't always create the most chances in that system but they certainly reduced us from creating any of our own to a certain extent and in 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 both of those games particularly after the first goal had been scored we just didn't look like scoring really uh, on 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 memory the other thing is that Graham Potter was at the Spurs game where they played 3-4-3 and um, as I've said in a lot of our post-match coverage, so sort of got a masterclass in how not to play against Leeds in a three-four-three, followed by a masterclass in how to play a three-four-three against Leeds. And Graham Potter is just too intelligent a manager to not watch that and say, right, there's clear deficiencies in 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 the way that Leeds uh, approach when when you play in a certain way. So. Yeah, I, I, I don't see them changing the three four three. But that said, as you've as you've mentioned, they have they have ch- tried lots of different formations this season and, and to fairly good effect. So, just a reminder of the way that um, Brighton played the the press in those in those two games, I think might be important because although Spurs did presses in a three four three, they did it in a different way from the way Brighton did last season. So, um, last season, I think Brighton largely um played a, p- a pentagon press as i like to call it a pen a pentangle, pentangle. Press, yeah. pentangle press um to encircle leeds pivot and and to try and disrupt our build up there and to funnel us out into the wide areas and then press us quite intensely in the middle areas of the pitch uh, in the uh, yeah in the middle length of the pitch um in the wide areas um so i guess i guess that's that's kind of what the pattern is that we'd be looking for to to disrupt isn't it in the game really that's what we'd be expecting to see yeah I suppose I would expect to see a sort of high mid block from from Brighton I think when we watched Spurs they were obviously doing a similar thing they were trying to funnel us down into wide areas Um, but I think they were they were sitting a little bit deeper to start with I'd suggest particularly in the first half the the second line of pressure uh, as I showed in the in the video on the Patreon was was behind the halfway lines and they were pressing fairly aggressively when they got the ball went that far but they were just let, allowing Leeds to to progress the ball two thirds of the pitch basically unchallenged really um, particularly when you went through the the fullback areas and I think what we'll see with Brighton is that they will be a lot more um, I think they'll be a lot more active in their pressing so they won't be pressing high in the same way that Spurs were in the second half because Spurs went man for man and as as, as Arsenal have done before and, and, and just sort of disrupted our build-up and were able to control the ball that way. Um, but I do think that, I think Brighton will be doing the same thing they did the last few seasons, which is is to allow possession, but allow possession into areas where they feel as though they can cause us problems. Um, so they'll, they'll, they'll just feed us down into those wide areas. They'll get their full-backs up. They'll have their outside centre-backs uh, helping out. Um, and then they'll they'll have their wide forwards dropping in, their central midfielders pushing out wide, and and just sort of um, doing those sort of yeah those those, those sort of four player presses that they do in, on each side. The three four three just allows you to do that quite easily. Um, and I just don't think there's there's some clips from the Spurs game where you can see 
there's one that sticks um, in my mind, which is Phillips just unopposed as a centre-back playing the ball basically into the final third down the right-hand side and it just getting to Dan James who can get 1v1 against Sergi Reguilón. Um, no pressure whatsoever and I just don't I don't think that, that Brighton will allow that there will be pressure on the centre-backs to stop them from from getting those easy balls into the channels they will push out wide onto the the full-backs when they get the ball as well and then you'll see the the wide players tracking back and helping in that press and I, I think we'll see the the the, the wing-backs being fairly um, aggressive in their pressing as well so it, it will be different to the the Spurs game but it will um, it will be sort of similar in 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 theory because the structure and and I suppose the the approach in terms of the press will be will be similar it will just be I think a little bit more aggressive and a little bit more intelligent of a press mm, of course yeah so if Brighton do play the 3-4-3 that we expect that means that Leeds will play a 4-4-2 as we've said many times on this uh, on this podcast um and if we're a four four two, John, do you expect the starting eleven to be a bit, a little bit less, um, what's the word, mad than the, uh, than the than the starting eleven at Spurs? I expect so because Bielsa made a big thing about playing, for example, Diego Llorente at right back, being that he wanted him up against um, Hyung Min Son, and and obviously Brighton won't be playing Hyung Min Son. I think if um, Furpo is available from the start, then we won't see. Um, Pascal as a left back. Then you've got questions about who's going to be the two centre backs. I don't see why it wouldn't be Cooper and Llorente. So it looks as though we'll probably see, I think anyway, Pascal dropping out. Um, and then, um, yeah, in midfield, I, I suspect it will be Phillips plus one of uh, Click and Forshaw. Um, and then if Rafinha's back, James and Rafinha. And then if Rodrigo's back, then Rodrigo and, um, yeah, maybe Gelhart and, um, if not, yeah, maybe maybe have to use James again as a as a forward and and stick Harrison in as a uh, wide player. But so I don't think it'll be hugely different. But I do think the defence will 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 be changed up completely, pretty much. Mm, yeah, I probably agree. That's what will happen. But Pascal potentially dropping out is a sad face moment uh, for me because I don't think he's done anything wrong at any time really this season I think he's been well he was, uh, he was poor at Southampton I will say that but apart from that I think he's been very solid and I don't think he's done anything to deserve being being dropped um, but then again in, in other senses neither of the other players so so what can Leeds do John to ensure that we don't fall into those traps that we described earlier that Brighton will set for us I don't think there's any danger that we won't fall into those traps. I suppose the, the, <laughs> the difference the difference is going to be will the central midfield make a make with Forshaw in it, assuming that Forshaw is playing, will that make much of a difference? Will we be able to get much through the the middle? And and you've talked already about that Pentagon press, which I think for me is just it it, it congests the central areas and forces the ball out wide. Um, and I think that the the question is is that if if having someone like Forshaw in the team, whether or not that will make much of a difference. Now it's hard to read that because in the last few games Forshaw has played a little bit deeper. Um, so obviously he was playing as the pivot in the last game. Um, he won't be if if Phillips is playing as the central midfielder, then Phillips will be playing as a pivot and Forshaw will be a little further forward. Um, so whether or not that makes much of a difference, I don't know. Um, and to be honest with you. When it's a two-man midfield like that, the things that Click offers in that he is able to shuff, shuttle between the two wide areas and help him build up, um, that might be useful to have. Whether or not Forshaw is as good at it as as Click, um, I don't I don't want to say. Um, 
so yeah i i think that the 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 midfield orientation and whether or not it works out will will make a difference and the other thing i think is going to be rafinha now i said in the the last podcast that rafinha didn't play against brighton in both of the games but he did um it, but i think he played on on the the left hand side in in the game that he did play um so i guess i'm i'm interested to see whether or not rafinha can disrupt that um that, that sort of system that they have which causes us so many problems when in terms of the system side of things we like to get the ball into wide areas do three-man build up and then get the ball into dangerous situations in the box now if that isn't working we've we've always got the opportunity that that Rafinha can inshallah and do something um so I think that will make a difference as well um so yeah we'll see I think I think it, again, as I said at the be, the beginning of this podcast, for me it's about it's about whether or not the I think this game will become a moments game, whether or not Brighton will take their chances and whether or not Leeds can create their moments. So um, I think Rafinha will be a big part of that because he, it, literally every game this season, pretty much where we pulled out points, it's been because Rafinha's done something. Yeah, even in games when he's been wildly frustrating, um, he's he's always managed to have a, at least a couple of moments where he's created massive danger for the opposition, and and that's you know that's why he's in the team. So that's that's great. Um, okay, where will the Brighton game be won or lost, John? I think I know what you're going to say. Yeah, just reiterating what I just said. Really, um, wh- whether or not Brighton can can control the game and then take their chances when they come up, um, which isn't. A given, I think that has to be said, uh, and and then if Leeds can generate moments of their own, um, usually through Rafinha. But yeah, I think this is a game where if we do take the lead, lead like we did against Spurs, we'd have a much better chance of holding on to that lead. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's going to be a cliche that whoever scores the first goal will be will be in the driving seat. Yes, <laughs> predicted <laughs> and almost word for word what that last bit was going to be. Excellent. Yeah, I'm nothing if not predictable. No, no, I think you're. I think you're absolutely right though. I think this this one does fall down to who manages to grab the first goal um, for sure. Okay, so I think that just about brings us to the end of the preview of those two games. John, you just want to talk a little bit about the video you made about the Spurs game? Yeah, I just had a look at the the game in terms of the two halves. Um, looked at why things were so different across those two halves and um, just mainly looked at what Spurs were doing off the ball that caused us problems in the second half and, and why that then caused us problems in our out of possession structure as well so if that, that sounds interesting make sure you go across and, and check that video out and who's Hobsey um talking about this week i think Hobsey's doing mateus click just having a look at the impact that he made in the game um so that should be up on thursday so yeah another thing to keep an eye out for excellent and other than that we'll be back on sunday with a review of the brighton match but uh until then enjoy the game and have a great week Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 